1: And we join him right now with today's message.
2: So again, today we're in this series and today I want to talk to you about kingdom disciples, kingdom disciples. So take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We want to talk about what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we begin today with just a simple question. What is a disciple? What is a disciple of Christ? Now, obviously, we've had, if you've been in church very long, you know, this is something that you're aware of, uh, that phrase. Most people would answer that question with this answer, someone who follows Christ. Someone who follows Christ. Now, how many of you think that's a good good answer to that question? What is a disciple of Christ? Someone who follows Christ? Not necessarily necessarily not necessarily i hope you know that semantics matter in english and in grammar little tiny words can have huge impact to when you're trying to communicate something i would answer this question what is a disciple not someone who follows christ my answer would be someone who follows the way of christ there's a big difference between saying you follow christ and you follow the ways Of Christ, for example, let's just take uh, vocationally speaking—not nothing to do with the spiritual element of Jesus. Let's just say vocationally. Vocationally, Jesus was a carpenter, and so if you said that you follow Christ, that could mean that you just walk around and you're, you're following him and you're watching as he handles lumber. You watch as he handles timber. And masonry as he hammers as he builds you're there just watching you're following Christ but it's another thing if you are an apprentice, if you're an understudy of Christ and you're actually watching him build because you yourself want to be a builder, you yourself want to be a carpenter and so uh, th- that means that you're yes you're following but you're watching and learning so that you might replicate what he does and replicate what he teaches to be clear a true disciple is not someone who simply follows christ a true disciple is someone who actually becomes like christ now this series is the kingdom of god jesus is the king in this kingdom We are called to be his disciples, his followers. But that doesn't mean that we just look like him or that we look to him or that we look with him. No, it means that we learn from him so that we can become like him and act like him and in a sense become many me's of Jesus, amen. So in this chapter, or this whole letter, 1 Thessalonians, Paul is writing a letter to a church that he helped start. It's a new church. It's filled with new believers. They have lots of questions. And so he writes this letter uh, in his attempt to answer their questions. And the next two chapters, today in chapter 4, and next week in chapter 5, Paul lays out in vivid detail instructions on how and what a disciple should look like how a kingdom disciple should live their life day in and day out i hope you're excited for today there are several things number one write this down first thing that he tells us he says if you want to be a kingdom disciple you've got to live your life live a life that pleases god and do this he says more and more everybody say more and more (laughs) let's look at chapter four verse one finally everybody say finally Finally. now this does not this is not his last point he's he's done three chapters when he says finally what he means by that let me get around to the nitty-gritty of what i need to talk to you about that's what that means The second word is brothers. Everybody say brothers. Very important that you realize that this was written to the church. So many people get so confused by things in the Bible because a lot of what's written is not written for people that don't go to church. Most of what's written in here are for people who go to church. And there's a difference some things you would say to a christian you'd never say to a non-christian and some things you'd say to a non-christian you wouldn't say to a christian so remember that this letter is written to the church to people who are already saved you've got to remember that he says we instructed you how to live in order to please god as in fact you are living Now we ask you and we urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this. To do what? To live to please God. Do this more and more. I want to teach you some sign language, okay? Everybody take your hands out like this. You've got to take both hands. Put all your fingers together on both hands like this. Turn those hands towards each other. Bring them close. This right here means more and more in sign language. All right? Now, I taught all three of my kids, and I taught all three of my grandsons. They can't even, when they were little, they couldn't even talk. I would teach them more and more. They learned this, more and more. So if they were wanting something more, they couldn't, they can't say, my two-year-old can't say more and more, but he can do this. And what that means is that when Papa gives him an animal cracker, he takes that animal cracker, he puts it in his mouth, he'll do this. Because he knows that Papa Coach is going to give him some more animal crap. We'll do that all day long. They learn this pretty quickly. And he says, I, I, I've instructed you, I've explained to you how to live your life in order to please God. That's a good thing. In fact, you are living a life that pleases God. But he says, I want to ask you and I want to urge you don't ever stop doing that. In fact, you need to do it. Everybody, do it with me. Come on. More and more. Now, this might seem obvious on the outset, but it's an area in which we all struggle because our our human nature is a selfish nature, and our tendency is to live for self. Our tendency is to act and to think for self above most things in our life. There was a double agent. uh, He was a British citizen, and the Germans got a hold of him. This was back in the 1900s. The Germans got a hold of this British citizen and turned him... To be a spy uh, for them and they had him go back to the uk and the plan was to blow up an airplane factory and so as he made his way and he was going to blow this airplane factory up uh, the uk got a hold of him and they flipped him to become a spy against germany and so what they did they took all the airplanes out of the airplane factory And they kind of had him there and they, they blew it up on purpose. Didn't destroy anything but the building. So he got to take that evidence back to the Germans and they were convinced that he was on their side but he was actually a double agent. It's difficult to imagine being in a position of being a double agent and trying to please both sides. And on one hand, we live our life to please God. But on the other hand, most of the time we live our lives to please ourselves. paul's instructions do not live your life to please yourself you should be living your life to please god you're doing a pretty good job of it but i want to encourage you to do it more and more then we come to verse two verse two says for you know what instructions everybody say instructions You know the instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to write this down. The Greek word for instruction there is a military word. It speaks of a military commander giving orders to those under his authority. In other words, what Paul is saying, as I've given you these instructions, these are not suggestions. These are things that have actually come from the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the command is to please God and to do so more and more. Now, I'm going to take you on a side note. You might think this is irrelevant, but it is relevant if you can get through this. But there is what I call subtle nuances about grace and grace is often misunderstood and grace is often misrepresented the bible says that we're saved by grace through faith we're saved by grace through faith and i've always used my hands here's grace god's grace is for everyone but not everybody's saved the only people are saved god's grace is for everyone but when man puts his faith instead of putting your faith over here and your faith in this when you finally put your faith in the grace of god at that point that's when salvation occurs now there are what i call grace preachers and grace teachers where all they do is talk about grace 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 i want to i want to warn you that if grace is not properly taught It can actually lead people away from what the Bible teaches. Now, teaching on grace is biblical. We're saved by grace, not by our works, but by the work of Christ upon the cross. But being under grace does not give you a license to sin. We don't do good works in order to earn grace. No. If you're under the grace of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, yes, we do good works, but we do good works because of His grace, not to earn His grace. And there are grace preachers, and I've heard them say this because I've listened to them. They have said, you don't ever need to try to please God because there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than what He already does And there's nothing that you can do uh, to make God love you less than what he already does. So don't worry about living your life to please God. And I want to remind all the grace preachers out there that everything you know about grace was taught by Paul, the apostle, who wrote half of the New Testament. Paul has a Ph.D. in grace, and Paul will give you a Ph.D. in grace If you'll study his writings, Paul wrote the book of Romans and the entire book of Romans. The gist of it is we're not saved by works. We're saved by the grace of almighty God. But the number one teacher of grace in all of scripture, Paul, the apostle is also the one who wrote this verse in first Thessalonians chapter four, where he says, You still need to get up every day of your life and before you hit the alarm clock, you got to make a decision that this day, this entire day, my life and my actions, everything I do and everything I say will be said and done to the glory of God and to please God and to bring Him what He deserves and to do so more and more. I want you to write this down. It's an easy litmus test for anything you're questioning in your life. Like some activity or some decision or if you're at a fork in the road, just ask yourself this question. Is this thing that I'm about to do, will it please God? That's an easy litmus test. Can someone say amen? Does this relationship that I'm involved with, with this person does this relationship bring honor to god does this activity please god if i walk down this path will it bring honor to god now i believe that this hour 11 o'clock on sunday morning you're all here today to please god you got up. You made the choice. I'm going to church. You're here. You're alive. You're awake. You're paying attention. You worshipped. You prayed. You took communion. You gave. You're studying the God's Word. Listen, this hour uh, you are pleasing God. And Paul would said, keep, keep, keep that work up and do it more and more and more. You see, I'm not worried about this hour. There's 168 hours in every week. I'm worried about the next 167 hours. Will you live those hours pleasing God? More and more. More more. Number two, write this down. Purity. Everybody say purity. purity. Purity is God's will for your life. Purity is God's will for your life. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor if you know them. If you don't know them, don't say this. Because I don't want to start any fights. But I want you to turn to, if you know the person sitting next to you, I want you to say, just, 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 like, I just want you to say, say, say this, the Bible says that purity is God's will for your life. Say that to your neighbor. The Bible says that purity is God's will for your life. We're going to read the next five verses. But before we do, you can't read the next five verses unless you remember what he wrote in verse 2. And what he said in verse 2 is, I want you to know that these instructions that I'm giving you come from the authority of the lord jesus christ now why would he say that the reason he says that is because he knows you're not going to like what he's about to say and what he's saying is don't get upset with me what i'm saying here now comes from the authority of the lord jesus christ himself so as i read through this if there's anything in here you don't like now last night people got up and walked out of church because if you say anything to someone that they disagree with they're going to get up and walk out that's their protest right and that's fine that's fine but i want you to hear me out these are not my words and these really aren't even the words of paul They come from the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now just remember that, okay? I'm trying to help you out. Verse 3. It is God's will. Everybody say God's will. So, So get this. It's God's will that you should be sanctified. You say, what in the world is that? that you should avoid. And the word avoid, we've done a lot of research on that, and that word means avoid. (laughs) Sexual immorality. Then he says in verse 4, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. Again, He expects the heathen to act a certain way. But this is written to the church. And he says to those in the church, do not act like the heathen who do not know God in this matter. No one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. In other words, don't lead anybody astray. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. And here it is in verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Now, there are those five verses, there's five sermons. But for today's purposes, the context, remember that this is the Greco-Roman era. Thessalonica was a port city. It was on the Via Ignatia Way. It was a metropolitan city. It was a wealthy city. And Paul was writing from Corinth, And from Athens in southern Greece, things were so worldly there in Corinth, they actually had a temple where people would go to worship and it had a thousand prostitutes in it. So Paul is writing this during a time where sexual promiscuity was prevalent and common in this part of the world. Kind of like our culture is today. I would argue that not much has changed.
1: That address, again, is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We have a special gift for everyone listening today to help with your daily Bible reading. It's our Anchored Journal, a complete 365-day Bible reading guide and journal that will help you stay connected to God's Word throughout the coming year. It works with any version of the Bible you are currently reading. The Anchor Journal comes in a choice of colors and can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. It's as simple as calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. You won't want to miss out on this limited time offer, so be sure to call right now. Our number again is 888-818-4777. The Anchor Journal can also be found on our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Get yourself anchored to God's Word with your personal Anchor Journal today.
3: If you've experienced a pregnancy or neonatal loss that has you feeling hopeless, angry, or confused, you are not alone. Losing a baby leaves behind a pain that is often hard for others to understand. That's why we want you to know about In Loving Arms. In Loving Arms is a six-week support group that helps hurting moms and dads come together to find comfort and healing. You'll explore tough questions and hear testimonies from those who have found healing after their loss. You'll hear from other moms and dads just like you as they share honestly and candidly about their own experience of loss. Together with others who understand exactly what you're going through, you can begin to heal and you won't be alone. To learn more, visit jakesjourney.org or simply call Shepherd Church at 818 831. 9333 and we'll guide you from there. That's jakesjourney.org or call us at 818 831 to learn more.
2: I'm Dudley Rutherford, Senior Pastor of Shepherd Church in Los Angeles, and I'd like to invite you to our services on Easter weekend. Maybe it's been years since you've been to a church, or maybe you've never been at all. Well, this Easter would be the perfect time to experience a community of people who believe in what God can do in your life. Join us at one of our three locations, Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, Aqua Dulce, as we celebrate the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
1: I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.